0: Psalm 22 in your Bibles, please. Psalm 22, enjoy that message in song, and certainly enjoyed being here on this Sunday morning. The Lord's Day, wonderful day, the life of a Christian. I'm, of course, a little shocked a little bit about coming back to the church and finding out that you've put a swimming pool in, in the church, and I <laughs> wonder when y'all use that. I... When y'all go swimming, I but uh anyhow. Does it come with floaties? I, <laughs> I need floated. I was sitting there just a while ago after Sunday school and I was I told Kim I was gonna steal that Hershey bar from under Ben's deal. And she said, You just that's stealing. You just preached on sin. You just it. I said, well, I was going to confess that. I was going to say it's a Hershey I'm going to tell the Lord it's a Hershey bar. I stole a Hershey bar. She wouldn't let me do it. It's amazing, fellas, how much our wives keep us out of sin. (laughs) How many drink coffee? You drink coffee in the morning and say, "Amen." I tell you. You that don't, you ain't going to heaven. But anyway, um, you got to drink community coffee now. You know what I'm talking about, Louisiana community coffee. All that other stuff, Starbucks is straight out of the pit. Amen. Some of you folks that spend that much money on you're sick. You to give it to the building fund, amen? But anyway, spending that much. Community coffee is great stuff. Is it not? I mean, you, if you make it strong enough, you could use it for 40 weight oil. Tire black, you can paint with it. I mean, anything, right? Good stuff, man. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if I read these or not last time I was here, about you know, you know you had too much coffee when Juan Valdez names his donkey after you. <laughs> you. Get a speeding ticket when you're in park. You grind the coffee beans in your mouth. You sleep with your mouth wide open. You watch videos on Fast Forward. Your eyes stay open when you sneeze. <laughs> You can type 40 words per minute with your feet. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> Psalms 22 in your Bibles, please. I, if you'll excuse me, I'm not an evangelist. I do the work of evangelists I have now for 40 years traveled just about every week somewhere preaching. But I'm a pastor and I'm, I preach pastoral type messages. So I'll try to help. And that's the type I preach and try to help. it be a blessing to you today if you listen very carefully. Truth will set you free. And it's not dynamic preaching half as much as dynamic truth that's delivered. So understand that if you'll get the message today, it'll help you. Not only today will help you in the future. Everybody in this room at some point in time will need what I have to say today, uh, young and old. So if you'll listen very carefully. Thank you, Preacher, again for the opportunity to be here. Always to see all the loved ones and friends and graduates That's graduated from Providence Baptist College and it's always a joy to see you. And the children are growing up so fast. I want you to pick it up in verse 1, please, if you would. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season and am not silent. I want to speak a little while on the subject, seeing things from God's perspective. Seeing things from heaven, word, Seeing things from God's point of view, not ours. Father, help us a little while on this morning. We thank You, Lord, for the Word of God. We thank You, Lord, that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank You, Lord, for the great opportunity and privilege to preach it once again these fine folks. Lord, we pray for this place and for these dear people and for this pastor. Pray that you would bless and help today for a little while. Bless the meeting, Lord, to come this week and the building that's to be delivered. Pray that you would help and bless in Jesus' name. And amen. You may be seated. I want you to look at the verses again. This is a prayer of anguish for help seemingly abandoned by God. I want you to look at it one more time. My God, my God, why has I forsaken me? It's an amazing prayer by David. And whenever we are struggling or suffering, we have a tendency to ask God why. And there's nothing wrong with that, asking God why. He's not obligated to answer any of us. Why me? What what have I done? David here asks that same question. My God, my, look at what it says again. Why, is I, why are thou so far from helping me? I cry in the daytime and thou hearest me not. It's almost like God has deaf ears. If God allows me tonight, I'll dovetail this message with one tonight. If, you're, if you'll Come. So David was a man after God's own heart. Can everybody say amen right there? Amen. God? Yeah, right. But yet he, he's begging God to hear him and to help him. He is a man who loved God and deeply was deeply faithful, yet he felt forsaken when he was suffering. There's some in this room we have felt that way. When we go through the trials and tribulation in life, sometimes we hit deep water and deep valleys and Sometimes we cry out to God and sometimes it seems like God has forsaken us or He's he's not around to answer our prayers. That's what David felt. Of course, we understand it's the same prayer that our Lord on Calvary said when God had to turn His back on sin. We understand that. See, these biblical stories are for us to see that even Bible characters are much like us. This is not black words on white piece of paper. It's for our admonition for us to see and understand. In my own personal life, I understood a little about physical suffering. I Fell out of a tree stand 18 foot when I was bow hunting one morning, slipped on one of the screw pegs and came down and broke my back. It was many years ago. Suffered, that hurt bad. But then I think about all the football injuries I have. I, I hurt constantly. I'm in pain constantly and what doesn't hurt doesn't work. Last night, Kim worked on me for 30 minutes on my shoulder. I began to go back to my childhood. I'm shooting uh, a recurve bow now a little bit, and, and by shooting it, just, it, my shoulder's just messed up. I fell uh, in the woods also, trying to put up some uh, non-postage signs on the camp there that we bought, and I f- tripped on a vine and fell on my shoulder. And, So all these injuries and physical suffering, there's folks in this room right now, you're hurting as I'm speaking right now. Physical suffering is something, as we get older, it just, everything hurts, right? I mean, we can't do what we used to do. Now our mind tells us we can't. I could do everything I could when I was 20 years old, but my body's saying, don't try it. Don't even go there. Surgeries. Before I was saved, all the drinking and fighting I did. Injuries, I hurt physically. But emotional suffering is something totally different. And I discovered that when I lost my my mother, and then my father, and then my first wife, and then my, my baby boy my son. That's emotional suffering. That's totally different. Are are y'all with me today? But see, that's the way I see things. And every one of us here, if you're honest with God, we see things in our problems and our heartache and our suffering from our standpoint, our eyes. Not from His. And when we have God's perspective, we see clearly. Listen carefully. That which is seen is temporal. That which is not seen is eternal. So the way we see things is just a temporal thing. Now it hurts. We may hurt psychologically. We may hurt spiritually to some degree. We may hurt emotionally. But when God sees it, He sees something totally different. than we see. Are y'all with me now? Because we see it from an earthly standpoint. He sees it from a, a heavenly standpoint. That suffering... That type of suffering, the emotional suffering would take a toll on the body. You know, life was awesome before my baby boy had that motorcycle wreck and I lost my wife, my first wife. Everything was great. The church was growing like crazy. When I stepped down in April, uh, I think some of y'all were there, I'm not sure. I know y'all were there. And, and uh, I begged God all those years, Lord, before I have a ride off in the sunset, I pray you pack this place out. And he did for the last two years. And then when I left that morning, you couldn't put another warm body in that place. God answered my prayer. But man, I'll tell you what, I, you know, God, God did a wonderful work at Northwest. But i tell you what, when that, all that took place and all the suffering and the heartache and the valleys and the... I just... It was hard to handle at times. And some people think that it's easy, but, it, but it's not. And, and the, the truth of the matter is nothing could prepare me for what happened to me. And there are folks in this room, you know that to be true. You have gone through some stuff that you go, man, I was not prepared for that. We always say prepare because it's going to happen. I don't know if you know this or not, but every one of us is going to die unless the rapture takes place. And some of us to the point, age-wise, we're, we're not too far off. Say amen right there. We're promised seventy years. If you're over seventy years old, you're living on borrowed time. I'm about a month into this thing. I just turned seventy, so I'm about a month ahead of time. I'm I'm winning right now because I'm I'm on overtime about a month. So if you're if you're seventy-five or eighty or eighty-five, and we were Kim and I preached uh, we're in Arkansas. No, no, in Louisiana, South Louisiana, the other day, and um, we we went to a man's house. He's 94, 94, still getting around, exercising every day. Dear God, I, don't, I want to slap him. But anyway, I, 94, 94. He gets on a on a elliptical and a, and a exercise bike. Don't think I got out of was get out of is an easy chair. But anyway, I, it's got 94 man. I, I told him I'd sign a contract to that right now. I'm simply saying that that boy when we see it from when we see it from God's perspective is so different. And when I began to see and see it from God's perspective instead of mine, I understood that everything that I was feeling was selfishness. I came to the conclusion, conclusion that both my first wife Carla and my son Joshua belonged to God. They did not belong to me. You better get it. I'm talking about from God's perspective, not yours. And that's where we mess up so stinking bad as humans. We think we're gods and we're not God. When we see it from him, to, they didn't belong to me. They were on loan to me. And because we think they're ours, we then take ownership. And we take ownership when we lose ownership like that. We get better toward God and better toward people. That's why we can't rejoice in church. That's why we don't smile. That's when heartache comes. We get depressed because we don't understand that we need to see it from God's perspective. He loved them far more than I could ever love them. Me being a sinner, I could love them so much. Y'all look at me now, and you know it'd be true. Most of the time our love is conditional. His is not. While we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let somebody wrong you and we'll see if if you love them or not. I'm just simply saying that when you see it from God, I understood that He loved them far more than I did, and I had to trust Him. I had to trust Him that He knew what's best. Brother Roloff said when you can't track God, you can always trust Him. Right. And that's so true. These things are not taught in Bible college, guys. Some of our graduates here, we can't teach you that in Bible college. We, can't, we can talk about heartache, but we can't teach you to trust God through the hard times and seeing it necessarily from God's perspective. You're going to have to do that yourself. Trusting God in His Word is something. It's what Jesus said, when I come again, will I find faith on the earth to believe His book? And when you do this, you'll see it from a heavenly standpoint. Our eyes are dim now because of us being earthly. But when we see it from His standpoint, we see clearly. Let me show what I'm talking about. Y'all know the Scriptures. A day is with the Lord a thousand years, a thousand years. Are y'all with me? Have you thought about that? I thought about that this morning when I was just praying a little bit. That means that if a day is a thousand years with the Lord, a day in his eyes, he knows the beginning from the end. <laughs> One day with him is as a thousand, which means I just made seventy, which means that if I go the way Gomez's do, and a lot of my ancestry lived to a hundred, Kim just got depressed. But anyway, <laughs> I I told Kim the other day I want to be cremated. She said I'll make an appointment for you. Anyway. Um, <laughs> But if I live to 100 years old, y'all listen to me. If I live to be 100 years old, I've lived one-tenth of a day in God's eyes. Are y'all whipping today? If you see it from God's perspective, how different is that than ours? Amen. Every child here, they'll say, I'm 13 going on 14. (laughs) They just made 13 yesterday, son. I know, but I'm going on 14. They always want to haze it. Us older said, oh, I just made inches, Right? We want to go backwards, right? But to think about it, that because of age, and look at me now, the book says where well, our life is but a vapor, appear for a little while, then vanish to the way. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you boil water today to do the drip pot. That's the Cajun stuff when you do that drip coffee. <laughs> you get some community to do that, son. It'll make you stand up in bed, I'll tell you, that drip coffee. And when you boil that, that, that vapor came up and went away. Folks, listen, I'm not trying to depress you. I'm trying to help you. When you see things from God's perspective, you're going to live differently. That's, that's, that's our life. We think we we got all this time. We don't. Whatever we're going to do for God, we need to do now. And I'm simply saying that that's the way God sees it. And when we see that and understand that, uh, we'll understand that God sees things so different than we do. This is when you will come to the conclusion that you don't want them to go necessarily. Y'all preach a few funerals here in the last few days. You don't want to see them go. You just don't want to see them go. But they're not yours to keep. They're not yours to keep. Think about it for me. You know, there are folks in this room right now, if you give testimony you say, Preacher, when, when I had the child, when we had our first child, I gave him the God. Oh, did you? Well, what if God takes him? What if God says he wants him? Take thy son, thine only son, Isaac. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> are y'all with me? See's yeah. a little different than we, we see things. Can you imagine them waiting that long for that promised child? The promised child came when the promised child came and it was, he was said that from that child going to be the lineage of the Messiah. And then all of a sudden God said, take him and kill him. That's the craziest thing you ever heard in your life. Right. Except when God saw it, he saw it from the... And Abraham had to have faith enough to say, I'm trusting him. I'm not quite sure I'm understanding all this, but I'm trusting him. I'm simply saying that, you see, we, want, we don't want them to go, but they're not ours to keep, so let them go. I remember Dr. Buchanan was dying. I, I preached his funeral, preached Dr. Runyon's funeral, then I preached Dr. Buchanan's funeral, and uh, he was the man I was called to preach on. It took Dr. Smith's place when he left Central. And I remember uh, they told me he was in a, a place, hospice, and, and I said, put, put the phone next to his ear. and He put the phone, and I said, I said uh, Jonathan don't die, David, David, David's coming, I'm coming. Jonathan's coming. I said, just, just hang in there, I'm coming. I want to see you before you go. So I had a meeting to preach, I preached the meeting, finished the meeting, flew into Baton Rouge, and I walked into that place, and what I did, his wife, Miss Buchanan, all the kinfolk were there, and they pointed to me, it's your fault he's still here. He would have went home a long time ago. Your fault. <sighs> so I bent down and got in his ear, and I told him I loved him. And said, uh, "David Jonathan's here. You can go and go home and be with the Lord." Checked out. They're not ours to keep. I'd love to keep my pastors. I got the only the only pastor I got left is Brother Smith. I'm trying to pump life into him. He's 84, I think, and preached preached a mission conference, I guess, at our place this past week. I don't like to lose them. He used to stand the pulpit and said us younger preachers. A guy came to him and said, "Brother Gomez, don't say it anymore. We're not the younger preachers. We are the old preachers again." I'm simply saying that our shallow, immature Christianity and knowledge of what the Bible talks about, biblical perspective of trials and tribulations and suffering, we know little about. We complain and cry in our cereal and just absolutely end up bitter and sometimes leaving the church and mad at everybody just because we go through some trials and tribulations. Then we look at those in the Bible and some of the stuff they've gone through and said, How in the world did they endure? They endured because they had faith and they trusted God and they saw things from God's perspective. We're so stinking unbelievably worldly. We're seeing things from our perspective, and we're so selfish we want to keep everything we got. We got all we can and can all we got and poison the rest. We refuse to accept these, and when we refuse to accept the suffering and trials we go through, what we're doing is fighting God's will. Do you understand that failure in a Christian life is being successful in anything that's outside the will of God? How sad it is when we fight against the will of God. And boy, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's something when you just go to someone that's going through trial and suffering and just said. Dear Lord, thy, thy will be done. It, it be, it's hard, but every person that I've ever pastored for 40, 40 years that's had terminal illness or some sort of sickness that's, uh, that, ex, that handled it, that, that accepted it, and thought that nothing I can do, it's, it might be God's will. Saw it from God's perspective and understood it's okay every now and again. God to take whatever is His to start with. Ain't nobody in this room purchases anything that you don't want to use. You buy it to use it. You don't buy it just to have it. You buy it to use it, and God purchases you with His own blood not to have you, but to use you. And when God uses you, if He then wants to take you because you belong to Him, He'll take you when He's ready. I'm simply saying that we, we know so little about trials and tribulation, and suffering as Christians. It's really amazing when we go down through that book and understand that we love the power of His resurrection. We just don't like the fellowship of His suffering and the way we conform to Jesus Christ. You want to be like Jesus Christ? Conform unto His death. Understand that suffering is coming. Understand that it's part of the will of God. You need to cut off the TBN channel and all them religious channels on TV because you're being deceived. Suffering is as much the will of God for every Christian in this room as salvation is. All down through the Word of God it talks about that. If you're going to ever be like Jesus Christ and conform to His death, somewhere you're going to have to go through some suffering and it will come to everybody in this room in some form or fashion. If you don't accept the will of God like this, you're going to lose your walk and your closeness with God. This refusal will put you in bondage. Are you listening to me now? When you refuse to accept, listen, if I refuse to accept that my first wife died, if I refuse to accept that my, my young baby boy died, motorcycle wreck, messed him up bad, he was so messed up, started having seizures, and then got a phone call. That he was dead. I mean, think about that for a minute. That'll rock your world. I said that'll rock your world. But when you refuse that, it will put you in bondage. There are people I talk to that absolutely are bitter. Now, I'm not bitter toward God. Well, why did you say that if you're not bitter toward God? You can't get along with anybody. It, your marriage is falling apart. You're... you're, you're your children don't like. It. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And what what's the deal? This uh, I don't know if it was, it was. I don't know if it's this time in Texas because we've been here twice now in the last few months. But we went to visit. I had a professional hunter out of South Africa that came, and he contacted me. He said, "Preacher, would you come meet me in um, David Crockett Wilderness area, wherever that's at, right?" And there was a man that lived there that hunted for Africa with him. So. He said, would you please come? This this man, his wife, needs help. He said, please don't bring it up while I'm there, but at another time, if you'll come and try to help this family. They lost a child. Kim knows more of the story. Lost some child when he was small and then lost their daughter. Are y'all listening a minute? Lost their daughter in a fiery crash and they got there, preacher. They got there when the crash took place. They were either behind them or somewhere or heard about it and they went out there. It's not too far from home. Had crashed, got there, and the car exploded and burnt their daughter up and their daughter screaming for help. They experienced that. That's enough to make the angels weep. But also listen to my wife drowning on body fluids also. And they can't get over that. And, and she talked to Kim about it and she just kept going on and on about it. And then uh, that professional hunter sent me a, situation of, of Facebook and what they were saying. And this how could God do such a thing? Wow. Now, what they failed to say is that they allowed their daughter to go with a drunk who was absolutely smashed drunk, and she was too. Are y'all waving today? I'm sick of people blaming God on their sins so drunk misnegotiated a turn and hit a tree and killed the daughter in a fire crash now what they're going to do is blame god on that i wouldn't do that if i were you so i got to try to help these folks at some point in time i'll be there and try to help them get through that if I possibly can but I don't know if I can or not. Why would you get so bitter? This is what happens. it You end up in bondage when you do not accept the will of God for what takes place. And when you don't see it from God's perspective you're going to have a real struggle with this thing. You know the three Hebrew children accepted God's will. We're going to throw you into the fiery furnace. Y'all know the story, do you not? <laughs> yeah. And we're not going to bow down either and you can go ahead and throw us in there. And our God shall deliver us. But if not. Okay with me? You got to really get a hold of the, every word Bible that we have in our King James Bible. But if not, So what they were saying is, you know, so be it. It's the will of God, so be it. Have you, you ever thought about this? If you read it right, that the only, only thing that was burned up on those boys was the ropes that held them in bondage? They smelled like smoke. There's some Baptist smell like that. So. <laughs> Think about what I just said. The only thing burned on those boys was the bondage. And when God puts you in the fiery furnace of suffering, sometimes to burn some of the dross out of our lives. Because you know, and I know, some of you have been through that—that that, those fiery trials that I'm talking about, and there was you—you you became closer to God then than you ever have in your life. It burns up all that frivolous stuff. Think about what we have. We, we want to bring it with us. I mean, I mean, I, you know, at the college, it there must be 300 mounted animals at the college. I got thinking, man, you know, the Lord promised me a. Mansion in heaven, I, I just want to grab a, at least a couple of my biggest white tails and take them with me. I've got to decorate the place, right? That's all vain stuff. The Lord doesn't mind you having a little fun. Doesn't mind you having things as long as things don't have you. But man, that stuff is vain, man. What counts in life is etern- eternality. That book's eternal. Your soul's eternal. Your children's soul's eternal. Your wife, your husband's soul's eternal. What we do for God is eternal. What we give in the offering for God's work is eternal. It's not for a time. Are y'all with me today? It's an amazing thing, man. And so I'm just simply saying that when we don't accept these fiery trials we go through, sometimes we end up in bondage and we'll never ever do the will of God. When God puts us in the fiery trials, it burns away the things that binds us. Oh, we can sing. It's so hypocritical. This world is not my home. I'm just a pastor. If you had your choice, you'd stay here the rest of your life. As long as no problems would be. Oh, yeah. When problems come, Lord, get us out of here. Yeah, when the problems come. But when everything's rosy, man, you want to stay. It's amazing, man. We, just, we see things from such a worldly, selfish side. So, so why does and how does these trials and suffering tribulations come? i got to hasten. Lord, i got to help. Real quick, number one, because sometimes we bring it upon ourselves. Yeah, right. Problems come sometimes because we bring it upon ourselves. The fiery trial. Sometimes our foolish sinfulness sometimes comes home the roost. I just told you I'm suffering everywhere. It's not God's fault. It's my fault living like a fool. You don't go fight. I mean, you know, we used to do cage fighting without the cage. I mean, you get busted like that, you're going to hurt. You play football the way we used to play, not the way they play it today. Can't even hit the quarterback. There God, help us. It's, it's a barbaric sport, man. Let's get with it, man. Stick him with that helmet. I mean, that's the way it is, right? And I hurt everywhere. But I'm simply saying that just, you know, all the stuff I went through, I mean, so that's foolishness. We bring it upon ourselves. The reaping process of wrongdoing will never, ever be delightful, my friend. I have reconstruction on my left knee because of football. I got everything held together by stainless steel staples in my tibia bone. I, I can't help that happen, but I brought it upon myself being foolish. And I want to go into why, but I mean, when the, when the kickoff went off, I... I uh, you know, there's a certain time when, the, you know, you don't feel the ball, you just back off, right? But I was so mad that I just grabbed it and he was right here. And I mean, he beamed that knee oh, and, super, and hyperextended that knee. When they put me to sleep, they took my leg and slung it out like that at the knee. <laughs> Touched my nose. <laughs> Doctor said, man, you didn't have nothing. <laughs> there was nothing there. That's just stupid. I mean, I, I did because I was mad. See, you always make mistakes when you're mad, right? I brought it upon myself. And sometimes God's got to spank us, preaching when we're doing wrong. And His hand is big. And the Bible says He doeth all things well. Listen to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. Now, no chastening of, for the present seemeth joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, after it yielded a peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them, which are exercised thereby. Preach it doesn't seem good. It seems grievous, but God said it should be, when He spanks us, should be joyous because after peaceful fruit of righteousness. That's the discipline that the Lord will give us. And as much as we give our earthly children discipline, for that same reason, God does it. And He's a lot better parent than we are. Are y'all whipping today? chastening of the Lord. We hate it. We absolutely hate it. But he'll straighten us out. I would rather the Lord come tap me on the shoulder. Read it, read it in Proverbs chapter 1, I think. Reproofs of life when he... No. Okay. All right. I'd rather him warn me. And he'll do that. But he'll only warn so many times. After that. <laughs> I'd rather God's hand be for me than against me. Number two, quickly, circumstances beyond our control causes us to suffer. We're talking about medical conditions, sickness, terminal illness, depression. Dear friend of mine it passes way up. We were in a. In, a, in, a, in a, um, It's not even a. It, it's a. It's a community. Am I right, babe? Is that what they call it? A community, huh? A village, way up in Wisconsin. A village. Uh, he might have been here, Brother Morrow, John Morrow. He, he been here, yeah. I preach for him every. He wants me every year. I go every other year. Last time I preached, I a three bear across the road, right in front of the church. I wanted to go hunting instead of going to preach, but anyway, I <laughs> had to go preach. But, but um, he, he, that boy got into deep depression. Good boy. Ministry's not big. It's not pressure. Just something happened to him chemically or something. And work through that thing. He's doing wonderful now. He texts me every Sunday morning praying for me. Mm -hmm. Beyond your control. Circumstances beyond your control. Loss of a loved one. You can't control that. Rejection. Divorce. Victim of crime. Some of this suffering comes. I've been raped. Some of this is beyond your control. But the suffering is still there. The heartache is still there. Are y'all with me now? Um, abandonment. Um, orphanage. Some, some, of, some of our folks I've pastored have been orphaned. And just think about it. When, when, when your parents forsake you, he becomes your father. And boy, he doeth all things well. And when he becomes our father, he's a good father. Think about that for a minute. So uh, there's a lot of things. Mistreatment. Can, can anybody here say amen to Joseph? Can you imagine Joseph, what right. Joseph went through? And you think about Joseph's life. And he never, ever complained. In 150 particulars, he's like Jesus Christ. He's one of the only few Bible characters that nothing wrong is said about. And I think it's very interesting that he went through all that and yet Circumstances beyond his control put him through suffering after suffering after suffering after suffering. And yet, every time he was thrown in that situation, he rose to the top because he was not a complainer. I'm not quite sure why this has happened. I love God. I, I'm serving as best I can. Not quite sure but I'm going to trust him that he's doing something in my life and I'm not quite understanding it all. But every time he got in a situation, he ended up running the whole thing. And then at the end, he ended up being the prime minister of Egypt. We were there. I preached to thousands of Muslims there. We had um, Uzi packing security guards by the government, special forces men to protect us from getting killed there. And we preached to thousands of them. It was crazy how many of those folks come to Christ. You talk about cutting-edge missions. We started a prophetess Baptist college in Andrew, Alexandria, Egypt, where they first corrupt the Word of God. And uh, I remember they were doing a little tour. We were looking at the, the, the pyramids and all, just amazing, you know, some of that stuff. And then the tour guide took us around where there's big, deep holes, big caverns out of rock, just huge. It, I mean, just monstrous preachers. It looked like a giant, deep swimming pool, but real deep. And this is what they said, we're not sure what these were for. We have no idea why these are here. You know, we can explain a lot of this other stuff historically, but we don't know why these are here. I said, I do. You know, they looked at me like, who are you? American, what do you know about Egypt? I said, this is where Joseph stored that corn to feed. Well, let's go over here. There's another thing. (laughs) Then we went somewhere else. They didn't want to answer that, but I guess my question to you would be, so where did he store it? Back then, in a barn? (laughs) No, I don't believe. I believe that's where he stored it. I'm just simply saying that it's amazing that Joseph's life, everywhere Joseph went was suffering, and yet he handled it all. Number three, quickly, God is allowing this trial to mold and make me into something that he wants me to be. Have you ever thought about some of the suffering that you're going through? What God is doing is trying to make you into something that He wants you to be, and it's not what you want from your own life. Are you all with me? Yes, sir. Can you imagine Him taking you like a potter's wheel in Jeremiah 18 and working on you? If you know anything about pottery, when you're working pottery like that, that might be a rock or stick in there that hurts. You've got to extract that. Do you understand that all of our life is something of God extracting impurity from our life to make us a vessel for His using, for His use? And sometimes He's got to take stuff out of our lives. He's still working on us. I always pray that, dear God, continue to work on me. The potter is not finished with the vessels, and we're not finished until He calls us home, folks. He may have something bigger for us if we just trust Him through it. Preacher, you're such a young man, and and you're you're... Your whole future's ahead of you. Future's church ahead of you. And I hate to say this while I preach you boys. And your, your good brother, the good chafe, <laughs> is going to pastor here in just a little while, within a year. And for me to look at him, both of y'all, and tell you God's going to have to do some things in your life and break you before he could use you in a great way. Unbruised individuals are seldom used by God. He'll bruise you in some sort of way at some point in time. And that's hard for me to say. But before God will ever use somebody, He's going to end up breaking them so He'll trust Him exclusively. Write these scriptures down. I'll be through in just a moment. Write them down, read them later. When you get home, it'll help you. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. And Jesus passed by. He saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither had this man sinned nor his parents, but that the work of God should be manifest in him. That's a blind man. Fanny Crosby, of course, was blind. And we sing all of her songs, do we not? Somebody asked her, she said Are you better toward God than being blind? She said, absolutely not. She said, I see it clearly I see clearly. That's why she wrote all those great songs. See, we must always trust the Lord when we're going through these trials. Are y'all with me today? Say amen. I know this pastor, it's kinda of boring. I could I could preach something real, you know, chandelier swinging. But this will help you if you'll listen to it right now. I'm telling you right now, God is going to put every one of you through fiery trials one of these days. He's going to check you out to see if you really are what you say you are in faith. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptation, that the trial of your faith, I preached a sermon from that faith on trial. And your faith is going to be put on trial one of these days. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found to the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Everybody, look up here. If we had a pot of gold right here and we had suffering and heartache over here, even cancer and death over here, which one would you choose? Oh, folks, come on, take your halos off. You know you choose the pot of gold. God said that that is more. Read it. I, go ahead, write it down and read it. Much more precious. Not just precious. Much more precious. I don't know. I don't know, man. The Lord sure throws some curveballs at me at times. Whoa much more precious. The trials of your faith are much more precious than that gold, that perish with the fire. Wow. Listen to James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into a diver's temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have a perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing." Listen to Romans 8, 28, of which we all like to quote. And we know that all things, watch me, all things work together. The trial of your faith and all the things that you've gone through, all the suffering work together. They work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to the Listen to 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 to 13. Beloved. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trials which try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. And that's what we do when we go through it. We think, this is strange. I'm a Christian. Why is this happening to me? Some strange. Well, you know, y'all later write these scriptures down and send it to TBN and ask some of those radio preachers, some of the television preachers, what does this mean? (laughs) But uh, it said, uh, some strange happening to you, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when His glory shall be revealed, Amen. ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Amen. That's when we love His power of His resurrection, but not the fellowship of his suffering. Listen to Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation works with patience, and patience experience, experience hope, and hope that maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto you. Isn't that amazing, all those verses? Talking about it's absolutely for our good and his glory that our suffering 'Cause people are watching you. Look at me carefully. Most of you have already blabbed your mouth that you're a born again Christian, that you love God and trust God. And when you go through trials, your loved ones and neighbors and everybody's watching you saying, Now what are you gonna do? You say you trust him. You say you got what are you gonna do now? And they're watching everything we do. See I think it's interesting that Satan is never mentioned in any of those scriptures. Y'all better hear me now. Don't don't miss this. Satan is not mentioned in any of those scriptures, but God is. And God was mentioned that he's allowing us to go through that. Boy, think about that for a minute. (laughs) They speak of God allowing us to suffer for his own purpose and for our own good. Let's stop giving Satan so much attention. All that we go through is for us to be schooled, for us to help others and their heartache. Are y'all with me? Yes. God forbid that I go through what I did. And my heart ripped out of my chest for nothing. God help the preacher that goes through deep water of all the stuff that we deal with, people's problems besides our own problems. And not use that to help others that are going through the same stuff. That's why God allowed. Me. Everywhere I preach, somebody will come to me and say, "Preach, I lost my wife too. I lost my husband. Whatever." I always send them a book by Lehman Straus on the death of a loved one, and it's helped them tremendously. God put me through that to be able to help others who are going through the same thing. Write this scripture down, and I'll be through in just a moment. Second Corinthians chapter one, verses three through four. Blessed be the God of our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy, and the God of all comfort, who comforted us in all of our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. That's a strong verse. That the reason God put us through that and comforted us is so we would then take that and go to others that are suffering and comfort them in the same way as God has comforted us. Understand, my Christian friend, that God will never put us through more than we can bear. The will of God will never put us where His grace and mercy will not keep us. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, There is no temptation taken to mean such as come to man, but God is faithful who has suffered, us to, suffered you to be tempted above that which you are able, but with, with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Whatever you're going through, God will never put on you more than you can bear ever. I know it sounds like it's unbearable, but you just waited long enough, God's grace and mercy will come and give you strength to bear up under that load. One day all the suffering and trials and heartache will pass and we'll be with our Lord where there's no pain, no sorrow, no tears. We'll either go up in rapture or in death, but we shall go. Either would be fine to the born-again Christian, that would be fine. Seeing, I'm through. Let's, seeing things from God's perspective, not from ours, from His. And when we do, we're going to be all right. Yeah. Sitting in a hospital room with my dying wife, first wife, doctor came in and said, absolutely no hope. You forget about it. It's a done deal. You're out of here. Didn't say it quite like that, <laughs> but that's the way we interpret it. She's done, and you're going to be a widower. Left the room, and I looked at my first wife. I said, uh, how how you doing? She said, I'm not good with this. How would she be? Her children, her grandchildren, and wonderful me. Think about it for a minute, man. Your children, you women, your children, your grandchildren, you don't want to leave them. You leave that old man you're married with, but not them, right? She said, I'm not good with this. Next day, I I prayed about it a little bit. and Next day, I said, how are you doing today? She said, I'm doing fine. I'm doing wonderful. I said, really? She said, yes, sir. I'm totally, absolutely good with this. See, she had to go through that part of questioning. She had to go through the part of saying, good night. I've got to say goodbye to everything that I've worked all these years to get to. But all this is worldly stuff. I'm going to go see the, the church members that died that we love so much. They're there. Go see my father, her father who died of brain cancer. Go and see Keith's mama who's already there. I'm going to see him. From God's perspective, seeing it from that. When you do that, you're going to be okay. I'm not saying you're not going to hurt. I'm not going to say that you're not going to question, but you will absolutely accept. And if you don't accept, you don't accept the will of God, it's going to hinder you the rest of your life. I don't know about you, since life is but a vapor. I want to live the rest of my life in joy and happiness and serve the Lord as best I can. I will not let suffering or trials or tribulation put me in bondage the rest of the few years that I got left. I'm not going to do it. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.